Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports. Oh, this is so good. The Final Frontier. These are the voices of the sinner and the saint. Did you really think that after absolutely blowing your butt out in game one? Did they blow their butt out? Yes, they blew their collective butts out to try to get that win. Their weekly mission to provide hot takes, medium takes, mild takes, to boldly go where no show has gone before. Take me to Flavortown. Luke Anderson. You're welcome. You're welcome, world. Will Darkens. I know what you're thinking. What will the butt test tell us that the nose <laughs> test didn't? The Sinner and the Saint Tailgate Show on 1080 The Fan, the Radio.com app. It's just turning into a gigantic Mexican. And 1080TheFan.com. Hour two! The Sinner and the Saint, miss anything from hour one, you can go to 1080TheFan.com, Radio.com. The 1080 The Fan Twitter page. You can call 1-800-SINNER-AND-SAINT-PODCAST. Just mm-hmm. dial those numbers in your phone. You All can send them. a self, self-addressed self stamped envelope to 1115 P.O. Box, Brunswick, New Jersey. Care of something, something, something. And then get the podcast. page me. Oh, yeah. Send Will Darkens a page. Please hit him up on his pager number. If you can't find that pager number, it is written on the uh, bathroom stall at every local Arby's in the Portland Metro. Yeah, that was a lot of hard work. Yeah, well, yeah. and it's actually continuous hard work. Hard work pays off. Yeah, they keep opening new yeah. Arby's or repainting them. Surprisingly, people want Arby's. Yep, go into the men's room of any Arby's in the Metro, in all stalls, mm. and you can find it'll just say Will they Darkens Pager Number, and it's right there. Yeah. And you can just dial that, and he'll send you the podcast uh, at his leisure. Yeah. There you go. On so, tape. If you missed anything from hour one, we talked a lot about uh, this civil football game between the Oregon State Beavers and the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There was nothing civil about ah! it. Uh, just real quick, before we get into uh, NFL things, mm. uh, Chance Nolan, greatest Oregon State quarterback ever. Yeah, so far. <laughs> I mean, dude, every time the guy snaps the ball, it's end zone. Dude, it's six every snap. Every snap. Every that guy. snap is six for Chance Nolan. And let me tell you something. I think it's going to continue that way. What was going through your head when you seen Tristan Jebbia limping off of the field at the uh, and the after the third down play, thirty three seconds left, he 
basically been the heart and soul of the team in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jamar Jefferson throughout the game got them to where they needed to be. Tristan Jebbia was he fantastic. Had well. Yeah, he had played very played very well in the fourth quarter, and there he goes limping off the field. Give the ball on the quarter inch line, and in comes new guy. There was actually a lot in that whole like game time. Like what was it like twenty seconds? Yeah. Like real time, fifteen minutes. Yep. Of going for a QB sneak on the one yard line twice in a row when it's not fourth down, which I absolutely abhor. I hate it when teams do that QB sneak on the goal line, fourth down game on the line. I get that, which made me calm down a little bit after that. (laughs) The other thing was, and we talked about it in the first hour, at least we like touched on a little bit. I was so bothered by the fact that Oregon was just going off sides and I know that that's like a rule and it's fine. It's whatever. But at the same time, it's so indicative of an attitude of like, eh, whatever, Man, just do what we want. I don't it, care. It, it wasn't them going offsides intentionally or you're, you have to time the snap. That's the only way you win that play. Yeah. But, oh, and you know what? Once they score, screw it. Let's just do it again on the field goal. Who cares? There is no penalty for the defense. A false start yeah. is five yards. It's stupid. Yeah. No, I, I, get, I hate that rule so much. I get that. But that's, come on. That's a. It's dumb. It's a really dumb okay. rule. And in fact, I think what, it should, what be should changed. the penalty be. I, well, honestly, I think it should be changed in that case. If you're anywhere automatic within, first down. Yeah. Anywhere yeah. within the five yard line yeah. of your goal. I think it's an automatic first down because that. that's bull crap yeah. that you can just jump offside sure. every single time. Automatic first down. Yeah. I, I think that, but it needs to be, or give them one more down. No, I think it's just, you need to be within five yards of the goal. Yeah. Anything outside of that, keep the rules. It is. You can but make it inside of two yards, and I'd yeah. be okay with it. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I just inside of the, the hash for the yeah. first down or whatever it is. But uh, I think the part that really uh, sunk in with panic was when the broadcasters go, and Nolan really hasn't taken any snaps <laughs> under center ever. And I was like, oh crap. Well, they, what they initially saw him taking that, snaps on the sideline practicing. They did and he not, had that yeah. weird like. He had that weird, like, hind leg thing going. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> that for initially, they thought it was going to be Coletto, which which was a little surprising because Coletto had been in the game, but he only takes the ball out of the shotgun snap. Right. And he is listed as linebacker slash quarterback. Uh, and if you're going for a quarter of an inch, you put in the guy that's 240 pounds, it kind of made sense. So the broadcasters, I thought, had a – but, no, they go with Chance Nolan – presumably because he's taking the ball from under center. So I think, I don't know that they knew he had never taken a snap under center. I think that was just he a sure guess. He sure friggin' looked like it practicing. Yeah, it was weird. Dude, he it had was. a weird like hind leg thing going where like he wasn't really like shoulder width apart squared up. It was just yeah. like, oh gosh, this is going to be bad. And it was totally one of those things where like my wife couldn't even watch the game in the last, like, like she was just like, oh, we're going to lose. I like know it. <laughs> I was like, nah, I think we got a chance. She's like, no. She's like, we're definitely going to lose. Are you kidding me? Look at what's going on right yeah. now. Yeah. And I didn't believe it so until you, he scored. Wait, so you won twice. Not only did your alma mater, mm. team that you played for, go out and beat their arch nemesis, mm-hmm. you were right and your wife was wrong. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, a, pretty uh, good mean, night. that's a pretty good night. It was a win in my head, but you can't <laughs> verbalize that yeah, at no, my but house. You, but yeah. you can celebrate I the can football inside. victory. And you you can you can celebrate knowing that you won twice, and you won't even get caught celebrating it. You're wrong. I win. I'm the best. She's like, who's wrong? Twitter. Twitter's wrong. Yeah, pretty good night for you. Yeah, congratulations.
Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad you recognize it. <laughs> Somebody has to recognize it. It's a great win, brah. Great win. Great game. Uh, Duck fans uh, are no doubt disappointed this morning, but I don't think that this is going to be a major step backwards. I think if anything, the one thing that you can take from this, the, the one hope you can take from this, college football is better when rivalry games are competitive and those games matter. That was that was a lot of fun last night. As a fan, yeah, yeah, that's. Well, listen, I just I'm not, saw a lot of uh, I, I saw a lot of chatter on social of people who were just like really like, people were really putting this on Mario Cristobal. Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting because I was like, well, I mean, he wasn't really doing anything different than the previous three games. Your players have to make plays. Yes, <laughs> you go out. I mean, dude, listen. you have a bunch of injuries in the secondary. Yep. You lost your best running back, and your quarterback isn't. Not great. Yeah. He's good. Not great. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. If you're a deck fan, I would just say, dude, you can track this season up to what we were saying in the first half. It's a barometer. It's yeah. literally just like, hey, how good might they be? But the other thing is your quarterback isn't an experienced college quarterback. He hasn't been no. in those moments where you're playing with all that pressure. Mm. It, it, Justin Herbert didn't play immensely well under pressure in college and he had some big moments when it came down to his final Pac-12 championship game and the Rose Bowl he was very very good his senior year Tyler he, Shuck he finally got it all together Tyler yeah. Shuck does not need to be thrown out don't throw the baby out with the bathwater or whatever phrase you want to use he didn't play a great game mm. he has a chance to get better he's a sophomore if he ends up being your starter for three years he will be better as a senior as he, than he is right now or if Mario Cristobal is maybe not the X's and O's guys, well, guess what? Go out and quarterback, recruit a quarterback that's better than Tyler Shuck, put him in, and then you can call whatever play you want and let the guy go out and just run the ball, throw the ball, be more dynamic, be better, and he can't be stopped. Well, and I think that, you know, as a, uh, as a Duck fan, I think you just need to be patient um, with this recruiting class. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, there's this whole misconception I think a lot of those fans have is that they look at all these top-name recruits and everything, and they go, oh, my gosh, it's been, you know, I guess you could chalk it up two years yep. of really huge recruiting overhauls. We should just be dominating all the time. Well, Sophomores no. and freshmen. Yeah, yeah, right? Well, it's and the other part And this year's of recruiting class is the one that is supposed to be a top-ten recruiting class. None of those guys are on the team yet. Yes. <laughs> and it's also dressed. important to note that – Teams that are recruiting juggernauts on the East Coast, your Alabamas, your Clemsons, yeah. um, you know, they have been doing it for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Where literally they are in the top five every, every year. effing yep. year. And so, yes, that turns into just a talent mill where yep. it's not about, you know, reworking. It's just reloading. You're just like, yep. all right, well, now this guy's up. Yeah. So, you know, again, it just. When Kayvon Thibodeau leaves the field, they do not have three more five-stars at no. the position like they do at Clemson. Yes. There are some guys that are absolute monsters. Dude, I could just watch Noah Sewell highlights for days. That guy is – he's only played, what, four football games? Him and Jordan Scott are very large people who are intimidating. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's a ton of talent on that team, and they will get better. And it is – part of it is just – dude, the pressure's on. Who's going to step up? There's less pressure on Oregon State in those moments than there is on Oregon. Oregon wasn't able to come through in the end. Oregon State was. Great football game. Let's move on. Let's talk uh, some NFL. The NFL sent out a league-wide memo to try to control uh, the COVID spread. They are doing everything they can to get a football season going. College football, eh, not so much. Uh, but we'll start 
with the COVID response for the NFL. We'll do it next. Uh, this is the Sinner and the Saint on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan and Radio.com. Welcome back in. We mentioned it earlier in the program. The game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers that was supposed to be played Thanksgiving evening has been moved to Tuesday. They're going to play on Tuesday. A bit of a COVID outbreak among the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, how disappointed were you with NFL football on Thursday, Mr. Darkins? Uh, did Matt Patricia get fired? I think he lost his job, yeah. But officially? No, not yet. I've not seen any actual news, but I think he... That's why I said he lost his... He probably lost his job right there. Yeah, I would have fired him after the game. Did was, Mike McCarthy lose his job? Oh, uh, you know what? I, I think... I think the situation with both of those is different in that the Cowboys are a team that you can kind of set up long-term plans. Yeah. You, well, you, you lost, I mean? you yeah. lost, you have injuries on the offensive line. Yeah. You lost your starting quarterback. <laughs> I get that, but that fake punt. The, yeah, <laughs> that was bad. I, I, I think it was just more <laughs> to the fact that like with the Cowboys, this season can be thought of more as like transition. Mulligan. Yeah. Well, no, with the whole COVID thing, yeah, you know, every well, single NFL also, it's, team. It's a transition from a long-standing sure. coaching staff into a new one during COVID. Yes, and the Cowboys are a franchise that really can build up resources and yeah. really can attract talent. I don't know why they can, because if I was an NFL player, I really wouldn't want to go play for the Cowboys. It just seems like a dysfunction. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they can attract that kind of talent. So, for the most part, with Mike McCarthy, I think he probably has a three-year leash. I think he could probably even make small improvements next year, and Jerry Jones will still keep him around. Yeah. Matt and, Patricia. And he's still in the contest for the division. Yeah. And he, I, yes, still, exactly. Technically, yes. still in it. Even that, That's two losses to Washington, so they do not have the tiebreaker. In that, but they're still like mathematically eligible to win their division. The other excuse you have is that uh, Mike McCarthy hasn't been able to work his quarterback whispering magic on Dak Prescott. Yet. Sure. So you could say, oh, well, he doesn't have you know his franchise guy yet. Yeah. Give him time. Matt Patricia is just a bad coach. Yes, he just really mad. doesn't understand. Yeah. Uh, and well, I think it, this is in, in fairness to Matt Patricia. It's not just the X's and O's. He's also really bad with player relations. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just want to make sure. Well, and that's what I was about to go into. It was just that like Matt Patricia is not a NFL head coach. And you have, I have, you and I have like labored over this point many, many times when it comes to hot seat and like just coaching yeah. in general is that the coaching job head coach of an NFL team and even more with a college football team is CEO. Yeah. You are for the most part a CEO. There is that rare guy where you're not so much the CEO and you have quite a lot of handlers around you doing that. Chip Kelly is a great example. He's not really a CEO. He's just interested in winning football games with scheme. And when it comes to recruiting, he has guys for that. Yeah, but he also tried to his problem in the NFL was in college, he was able to control every aspect of it from the eating and sleeping schedules of players mm. to the tempo that they played with, to the offense, to the defense. The, the way that team was built, it was a Chip Kelly football team. We're talking about the sure. Oregon Ducks. He tried to do the same thing with the Philadelphia Eagles and lasted two years. Did he make it three? 
think he was just two. Two years. And then he went to San Francisco for a year, did not make it through a second season in San Francisco. I believe both of those organizations are might still be paying him though. Um, but awesome. it, it, it did not it did not translate when you try to control everything. So he maybe not CEO is not the right word, but control freak. I guess Once. he was control freaking the wrong thing. Well, he wasn't See, the I, I he wasn't that's... the NFL, but but he was successful with it in college, and and then he Dude, went a little. I, I'm telling you from an inside track that a uh, I got a story from a used to be local reporter now works in Sports Illustrated about a Chip Kelly recruiting visit, and it's a nightmare. Oh, I, and I'm not saying that he was a great recruiter. And it yeah. was more to the point that when it came to recruiting and culture. He delegated to Nick Galliotti. Yeah. Yeah. He just go. He was like, "You do that. Yep. I don't care." <laughs> I and it, it was. It was. No, I best. don't care what players you give me. I could win with anybody. No, really. I th- yeah. I think he really had that attitude. I maybe he. You know, he kind of had his sights on a few guys, sure. but at a certain point, he just kind of had a scheme, and he told his staff, "Just go and get the guy. This is what I do. Yeah. Just go do that." Um. You know, and I think with Matt Patricia, it's that same type of problem because he was so ingrained into the Belichick way of life, which was, look, man, you got a lane and just do what you do. That's it. And that's why so many Belichick guys, coaches, have such a hard time head coaching. Uh, Yet to be determined with Brian Flores because it looks like he's kind of rounding the corner with the Dolphins here. But uh, with Matt Patricia, it's so much about like, dude, do your job and that's it. And the reason they don't learn much from Belichick when it comes to leading is that Belichick is the culture of the Patriots. He, through osmosis, somehow his deadpan dry attitude just kind of permeates through everything. And so when these guys try to go out to different cities and make a go of it on their own, they don't have personalities. Yeah. Like, what is Matt Patricia's personality? Angry and hungry? Well, but the other thing, the other thing too that Belichick has is Belichick has the built-in respect of everybody that comes within his right. sphere of influence. There yes. was a story this week. It's the Patriots, you may or may not know this, are playing against the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury played quarterback, kind of, for the New England Patriots. Sort of. Well. I mean, I don't know if you know the story. Did you, I don't know if you read it this week, but there was a little expose on it. But Cliff Kingsbury was drafted 201st overall uh, wow. in 2003 by the New England Patriots to play quarterback. That is two spots later than Tom Brady. It's a sixth-round pick. A oh, lot of wow. people started drawing those connections. Did they do it. like a one-and-a-half-minute package about that <laughs> no, on but, TV? Well, no, but the, the, in the article. But here's what happened to Cliff Kingsbury that was a little different than Tom Brady. Tom Brady eventually got in to start and then became the greatest quarterback of all time. Cliff Kingsbury hurt his shoulder before he ever threw a pass in practice, I believe. I remember that. And then he... <laughs> He became a de facto uh, member of the coaching staff for that season. So that's really where he started to get it. He expected to have a long NFL career. Injuries stopped his first season from even getting onto the practice field. And so he became a de facto coach there. And he talked about how much you knew immediately how much Bill Belichick knew about football Hmm. and not just the schemes, but the history of the game. And he was saying that, you know, going into this matchup, he learned as much as he ever did in any stop from the time he spent in new England. But he also said that Bill Belichick has forgotten more about football than I will ever know about it. It's just, it's that respect that everybody has. It's the immediate respect that Bill Belichick can gain from holding up his six Super Bowl rings. But it's also when at this point he had one ring. 
They just won one Super Bowl and and well, but again, immediately. I think it, t- <laughs> it speaks back more to uh, just the culture you create. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I like. I think Sean McVay, uh, even though yeah. he had kind of his slump, I think it speaks to what McVay is doing over with the Rams in that yeah. he has developed a culture of innovation and always changing and always being and always thinking and always trying to kind of get a step ahead of everybody. And I think players respect and they buy into that kind of thing. But with Matt Patricia, um, you know, I I think that his coaching career, correct me if I'm wrong, started with a sexual abuse allegation. Yeah. I seem to remember this, that he had to come out quite early and address sexual abuse allegations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I find that to be kind of a thing where, you know, that puts kind of a smear on your whole, you know, uh, you know, cultural outlook on the team. You know, uh, to command respect from early on, you have to have big ideas and you have to have a message that resonates with most players in the NFL. And I think for the most part, the coaches that succeed are the ones that are able to put a message forth that says, look, you got to put your trust in me because this is my plan. I want to do X, Y, and Z, and this is where we expect to be. Like any other industry is the same other than football, right? Like you always feel good if you have a boss come in or if you have a supervisor come in and they just lay a plan out for you and they go, look, we're just going to do this. We're going to tweak it as we go along, but we're not going to go off of this plan and we're going to see what kind of results it is. Once we get to the end point, we'll assess and we'll go from there. I don't think Matt Patricia has a plan. I think he just came in there, ordered lunch, Mm. ate it. And it's still in his beard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And then just kind of was like, whatever. Well, here's, here's the other problem that you see with it too, which is he is coaching the Detroit Lions. Yeah, they suck. The organization is terrible. I don't care who goes in and coaches the Cleveland Browns. They're not going to be very good. Marvin Lewis was one of the most respected coaches in the NFL and did a pretty good job building a culture. Mm-mm. Nope, but- <laughs> not according to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Wait, what? You remember that? Marvin Lewis? Don't you remember? Uh, no. Mar- or was it? was the other coach? Don't you remember their uh, one of their head coaches? Oh, that was Hugh Jackson. Or Hugh Jackson. That was Hugh Jackson. Yeah, he got like but an Mar- assistant job, and he's like, I'm not going to shake his hand. But Marvin Lewis couldn't overcome the dysfunction that is the Cincinnati Bengals. There's there's some organizations as a whole that no matter how good of a coach you are, you're not going to be able to do it. Now, it's also the Detroit Lions, so they probably hired the wrong guy to begin with, to your point, which Matt Patricia probably is. So Yeah, and they fired the wrong guy. Yes, they did. Jim Caldwell, like they have had, they went to their first playoff appearance yeah. in something like what twenty years. Detroit has squandered some of the most talented players in NFL history, and I don't know that I put Matthew Stafford on the same level as Calvin Johnson, and I definitely don't put him on the same level as Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders, but. He was a very talented guy, and I remember the clip of him going in with his with it a dislocated or a separated shoulder, where he throws that touchdown pass yeah. to win the game. Like that was in his rookie season. You could tell the guy had something special. It's been wasted. I would honestly put all those guys on. You would put scene. Stafford up there, yeah, Barry, because Barry Sanders is all time, all time. No, there's very few guys on his level. Calvin Johnson is going to go into the Hall of Fame playing seven years. I don't know if Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. Those guys are. Let me present something to you with that, though. Okay. And maybe we should do it on the other side because it is kind of a... I want to talk Blazers. We're talking Blazers on this. I okay. finish it here. Here's my quick thing. I think a lot of people put a lot of stock into Barry Sanders simply on his style. 
I, I kind of think uh, the whole thing is overblown. All-time leading rusher in college football when he left, Heisman Trophy winner. He yeah. was he was all. I understand that, but he also had an NFL career that, for the most part, was defined by early retirement yep. and style, and that was it. Yeah, but I'm many- sorry, dude. Reggie Bush was pretty incredible in college too, but he kind of flamed out. Yeah, but Barry Sanders did not flame out in the NFL. And- yes, he did. He went to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> That's it. That is flaming out. Dude, I'm I'm not even kidding you, dude. Like that is flaming out. Honestly, like you can't at the end of Matt Stafford's career. I really don't care. You can just like take this huge long scroll of statistics and like records he broke of like he threw for this many yards. He had this many yards. Look at all these. I'll be like, no, dude, that guy flamed out. Like he never got anywhere. Barry Barry Sanders was greatness. Yeah, he was great. He had a really great style. But for the most part, I don't know. I don't really see it. Honestly, How, I think you need to go back and reassess the fact that everybody uh, gets so impressed by Barry Sanders just because of his style of running. That's it. It's really cool. He's really quick. He can avoid a lot of rushers and everything. That's great. And I'm not saying he's not one of the t- top 10 best running backs of all time. I'm just saying, I, I think he gets put too much in regard sometimes. And the guy retired early. Too. I don't know. In, I, I'm just saying. in 153 games, he averaged five yards per carry in the NFL. That's great. I mean, he played, yeah, he played, he played nine seasons in the NFL and averaged five yards per carry. There's years where he averaged over six in 1997. He averaged six yards per carry. That's great. He's, he was, he was greatness. He was greatness, but you know what? His narrative is he went to the Detroit and sucked. He went to the Detroit Lions (laughs) and you kind of flamed out and they sucked. Dude, Terrell Davis has a better narrative than that. He does. He rescued John Elway's career. Yeah. That's pretty freaking awesome. It's it's a great narrative. Yes. I Barry wish, Sanders' narrative is he died he in Detroit He should have demanded a trade. He was still yeah, productive. Hell yeah, he should have. He should have. Yeah. I would have loved I, to see him in a different uniform win something. But, look, man, yeah. I, I know. And, you know, whatever. You can burn me for that opinion if you want. But I think it's just something to consider. That I think that people do this all the time where, like, they take guys who stylistically. Like, I do this in the NBA. I am, like absolutely uh you know dead set on trying to convince you that jason williams was like <laughs> one of the coolest effing white players chocolate around. yeah yeah like i will to the end of times tell you like he was one of the most important point guards in the early 2000s and yeah. late 90s but like most people can just show me the stats and wins and everything and at a certain point i'll have to go Okay, yeah, it was. He was just really cool at passing. Yeah, well, if if you said that Barry Sanders was he stylistically he was awesome, but did you know that he had the most fumbles in NFL history or something like that? Yeah, maybe I would be with you. But there's there's not a negative stat like the turnovers that that Jason Williams had or the fact that he had to modify that style to stay in the league. Barry Sanders, do you know how difficult it is to pick out a guy by his running style? Do you have any highlights he has to have? I, there's there's not very many guys. Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, and and maybe just because I can think of a couple runs, Marshawn Lynch. There's not a guy you just go, dude, that guy ran different and was a beast. But there's not a ton of guys that you just go, just the way he ran was awesome. Barry Sanders is one of those guys. He's a legend. So I will not have you... Uh, Talk bad about him anymore. Uh, somebody on the fan text line says, uh, Lions also wasted Billy Sims. Yeah, I agree there. Okay. Uh, we will talk Blazers. I want to get your thoughts on their new lineup. We'll do it after these college football scores. I got no natural rhythm. 
but I go dancing every took night. the numbers oh, and names right. off of NFL running backs and just had them silhouetted or black and white jerseys and you couldn't see their face, their team, anything. There are only a handful of guys that you would immediately go, oh, that's Barry Sanders. Oh, that's Walter. Oh, that's great. That was awesome. Guy was awesome. Cool, dude. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers have reshaped their roster a little bit. Yeah. You're a big Blazers guy. I am anti-Damian Lillard. You are anti-Damian Lillard. That's a very good point. Um, Portland Trailblazers re-signed Carmelo Anthony. They add Derek Jones Jr. They get Ennis Cantor back as their backup center. Rodney Hood re-signs. And Mario Hazonia is out of here. Is that your favorite move of all? That was pretty cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. Getting rid of Mario Azonia to get Ennis Cantor back. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Good little offseason. How are you feeling? Uh, I, I saw a line in an article that said, if you could win a championship just by making offseason moves, the Blazers would have won a championship. Oh, that, whoa, 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 whoa. I know. I, I'm telling you what I read. Yeah, I know. You also forgot Robert Covington in that. Uh, yes, and Robert Covington. Well, you also interrupted to, to, to drop the Mario Zonia. Because it's more important. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. It was very good, though. Uh, very good offseason. I think Neil O'Shea did a good job. I was very pessimistic in the beginning because there was a lot of stuff to grab out there. Um, I know a lot of people were talking about uh, Boogie. That yeah. that could have been a possibility bringing him back instead of Enos or bringing him back, uh, bringing him to the team instead of Enos Cantor. Well, there's some people that liked Whiteside and what he did. Kelly Oubre, uh, a lot of people said that we could have pursued that one as well. And I, I was kind of on that train initially, but then once uh, it all started to work out and, you know, they signed Robert Covington, they re-signed Traded Rodney, for Robert Covington. RJ, yeah. yeah, that's yep. right. Trade for Robert Covington, re-signed uh, Rodney Hood. Um you know, they just made some good shore up moves. I guess my only kind of like moment is, you know, Dame keeps talking about championships. Yeah. And I'm just going to say this is still not a championship team. Okay. It's just not. Not on paper. Not in the West. And that's why I continually keep rooting for the big free agency get. And I feel like that if Damian Lillard is enough of a household name at this point and you believe in him enough that you would try to pull something of a one and done attempt, right? You would try to pull the let's put everybody on wholesale, get up a bunch of money and get Dame out there to recruit someone to come in here. Okay. Um, I kind of thought you had a chance with Gordon Hayward, though. Gordon Hayward, of course, isn't what he used to be. He signed, what, a, a four-year 120 with Charlotte. And, um, you know, I guess he thinks he's worth that much. Well, if somebody offers you that kind of money, you don't say no. You are worth that much. Yeah, you are. I and mean, that's very true. Yeah. But you don't go, uh, no thanks. I don't think I'm worth that no. much. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, um, I, I think that's the only thing I had with it. You know, it's just about tapering expectations. That's yeah. just all I'm saying, man. It's just that people get so hyped about all this stuff, but they forget that every single year, Damian Lillard is just honking the we're a title team horn. Like, he's always on. He's like, no, 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 we're going to the top. No, we have the best shot of going to the Like, no, dude, you don't. Not right now. What is this team missing? What's the big glaring weak spot? I mean, you you, you look at the wing, and that's probably where you'll, yeah. you'll go there. But Incredibly dominant wing player. 
an incredibly dominant wing player. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those are there in the league? I think, okay, let me turn down incredibly dominant <laughs> okay, to very good. I think Gordon Hayward. Somewhat competent. I think Gordon Hayward would have uh, partially checked the box for you, honestly. Yeah. Well, and without having that kind of room to go out and sign a yeah. $112 million player at the wing. I mean, the, the Blazers have. Well, but that that's kind of the whole problem that you have is that, you know, they're really subscribing to this whole theory that we can do this with two incredible guards. They're I think, pretty much the same player. I think that I think that they like Nurk as a third piece. If you're going to put a big three on there, having him healthy, he did play incredibly well in the bubble. Uh, Nurk has just proven that he can go out there and be that third guy. So you've added defense with Robert Covington. You've gone out and you took a flyer on Harry Giles the third too. So now you got a third center or a guy with size in there. If Zach Collins can be healthy, I know that he's not the player that Neil O'Shea promised he would be. The other thing is Neil O'Shea came out and said that the most important guy to re-sign was somebody who at one point could have been considered a dominant wing player, which is Carmelo Anthony, who played really well in the bubble, and he has been a starter sure. since he's been here. If he comes back with the same sort of drive and willingness to play defense and be the third option scorer, I mean, that's a that's a pretty good guy that you're taking a flyer on. Somebody that has certainly all the talent and skinny mellow compared to the guy that you signed off the scrap heap at the beginning of the season last year. Skinny mellow in the bubble was a different player. He was good. He was good. He was a good piece. And I hope he is a really good piece off the bench, honestly. I really hope they don't start him because I don't think he's a starter. Well, but I, I thought he could be he one did, of those guys that starts and he plays 12 minutes a game. Yeah, that's <laughs> not. I, but you know what? See, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's not like a championship mentality. That's no, like, I, uh, you know, hey, we got this veteran guy. Like, that's the attitude you take with uh, Dwayne Wade on the Heat, yeah. right? <laughs> like in his final two years, it's like, thanks for everything you've done. Yeah, look, <laughs> we're gonna let you start and you'll play five minutes, but then yeah, dra- yeah, drag you your old ass there. out, yeah. and then we'll bring you back in here. Um, so anyway, I, I mean, that's kind of what I think you're, you're totally right. I think Mello is a good addition to the team and, you know, if he keeps improving, then yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised all day. I'll love that. But I'm just saying if you could have gotten that, uh, semi, uh, dominance, I guess what we're going to define as like a very good wing player. Yeah. And then you gave up CJ for it. I think that's where you start to turn the corner. Okay. I'm just, I, I'm still not convinced with the whole, this can happen with Damon CJ on the same team. Gotcha. Well, I like this team a lot better than the one that they formed last year, and obviously injuries derailed injuries derailed everything. But I'm excited, man. I think I think they yeah. went out and they they made some moves. the The flyers that they took, uh, Derek Jones Jr. is your slam dunk champion, but that guy is pure athlete. He's yeah. a, he's an absolute good defender. Stud. Well, and that's and that's what you need. And Robert Covington is a great defender. The, I looked at the highlight package when they signed Harry Giles the third. Like seven of his highlights were blocks or passes. That's what we need. That's exactly what you need. You don't need a need a guy that is going to come in and try to score. So if you can get production out of those guys, I'm still curious what you have in Nasir Little because that guy is supposed to be the best yeah. athlete in the room as well. He's going into his third year. I kind of think that he's going the way of uh, Anthony Simons. Yeah, well, there were some flashes, but to me, I just don't think we saw enough of him. I mean, I know, but I think yeah. that's also. It was, there was, it's only a, second there was year, a reason it? you didn't see it's it. It's only his second year, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I'm also very interested to see what you get from a full season of Gary Trent Jr. 
Yes, very so, much Gary Trench Jr. There's a lot to be excited for, uh, certainly looking forward to. We have a preseason schedule for the Blazers. They're going to play two games against the Sacramento Kings on December 11th and 13th, and then on the 16th and 18th they'll play two games at Denver. So playing just two teams in the preseason, uh, limiting exposure for COVID-19. Thank goodness. Seems preseason like, basketball is stupid. Well, but you do need to get a little warm up, it, but that'll but, be your first yeah. chance to get a look at the new lineup uh, of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, we will tell you what. No. Two thoughts on the text line. Do them. We have a short break at the end, so we can yeah, go Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it to it. One, we've been waiting for a big free agent for 20 years. <laughs> fair. Very apt, yes. Incredibly yeah. fair. Thank you. Yep. Other one, I, j- I knew this was coming. I was waiting for it. Sanders, this is going back to our Barry Sanders oh, yeah. uh, conversation. Sanders would be all-time leading rusher if he had not retired early, all the while never having a passing game to help set up the run aside from one season. You're truly an idiot. Yeah, you are truly an idiot. Right? I will agree with that. But I just do want to, again, make sure that we all are on the same page, right? Detroit is terrible. Detroit is terrible, and... He did retire early, right? Yes, he did. Oh, that was okay. his choice. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. I, I will not get on the woulda, coulda, shoulda of, of what so his career could have been. But Look, man, the 2001 Blazers were literally the best team of the 2000s if they didn't lose to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Literally, the They best. would have been. Had, they, oh, yeah. had things worked out differently, yes. they would have, could have been. If had things worked out exactly how they are working out currently in my mind as I speak this opinion, oh, different story. Barry Sanders was greatness. He was incredible greatness that retired early. Yes, he did. Yes. So was Calvin Johnson that retired early. Oh, Detroit, totally. Detroit should be uh, relegated from the league. You think so? Yeah. All they do is ruin great players and waste their careers. Uh, Matthew Stafford among them, but I will not put him on the same level yeah, of greatness as Barry Sanders. Just, I think the Ford, the Ford family still owns them, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Just sell them and rebrand them. Yeah. Just I don't know. New colors. The Lions a good mascot, but they just need a whole them and the Bengals. They're kind of in a quagmire work when it comes to just that kind of thing. Start over. Because I'm thinking about like who the hell would buy the Lions? Yeah, I don't know anybody with that kind of money. Yeah, well, because yeah. you look at the market, and you're kind of you know, yeah. like when the uh, the Nets went up for sale. Uh, Mark Cuban I, should buy them. Yeah, right. When the Nets went up for sale, I remember a bunch of people were like, "Oh, who the hell's gonna buy that?" I was like, "Dude, they're in New York. Like yeah. somebody's gonna buy them." Yeah. It's like Detroit. Like, ugh, I don't know who wants to buy that team. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban should buy him. Uh, all right, we tell you what to watch uh, next. It's What to Watch on The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan and Radio.com. Which is the most exciting matchup in the field of competition? Which game will leave you kicking yourself if you miss it? Which channel should you switch to when the sporting day is gone? Welcome to America's most exciting sports talk radio show segment. It's time for What to Watch. Presented by Encore Audio Video. Now hear this. Whether you're looking for a new TV or a custom home theater, start at Encore's showroom at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Now our expert panel, avid television viewer Will Darkins. And increasingly out-of-touch father of twin girls, Luke Anderson. Are here to tell you what to watch. Literally, it's what to watch on The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. 
All right, Bill, Will, very quickly, we have the Iron Bowl after uh, this uh, broadcast later on uh, 1080, the fan. That's a 1230 kick, so you can stick around on the fan and get all your college football. But what are you watching this weekend in sports? Mm. I don't know, honestly. Well, I'll tell you what I'm watching for. Uh, I'm watching for Monday Night Football, Seahawks, Eagles. Uh, the next four games for the Seahawks should be easy very very easy but it needs to start with monday night if the seahawks are a super bowl contender they need to win that game by at least 21 points yeah suka i remember i think it might have been a week or two ago where he was basically saying like this is it this is time this is the time to just like rest players you can like take whatever injuries you need whatever like the the next slate you have is horrific lay but it's but it's not even that but you need to go out and you need to win and you need to win convincingly the next four The next four games for the Seahawks are as follows. They will be playing against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night, followed by uh, the Sunday game against the Giants on December 6th. Giants, Jets, Washington football team uh, is how you run up to Christmas, and then the day after Christmas they play the Rams and finish out with the 49ers. The next four games, they need to win all of these games by at least three touchdowns each if I'm going to be convinced they have a chance to win a Super so Bowl So that's not going to happen, and you know that. Because but you know, it's the Seahawks, but and you understand every what single I'm saying. game is like I know, it has to be a nail biter. Dude, you just need to get it figured out. But that's why I'm watching Monday Night Football. Yeah, I was supposed Monday Night Football. You know, I just, everything built up to this Civil War game for me. Yeah, so you're kind of Heading into it. this way. No, I mean, it really was because it just. You're going you're gonna to rewatch the Civil War today, aren't you? In the back of my mind, during those uh, past couple of games, and especially after the Cal game for me with Oregon State, I just started to kind of think, like, I think they're getting better. I sent an email this week, and this is not a joke, and I sent it to a Beavers fan, but I sent, uh, I, I said, ooh. Oregon State just beat uh, Cal. Oregon uh, let UCLA hang around too long. I smell an upset. I wasn't 100% serious about it, but there it was. Uh, anything outside of sports to watch? It was a really good Netflix documentary. I forgot the name of it, but it was about uh, it was about San Antonio police officers using mental health tactics. Okay. Which was actually really good. Watch uh, Palm Springs on Hulu. It's an Andy Samberg movie. That. It, yeah. Did you watch it? I have seen that. Yeah, That's very, like the Groundhog Day one. Yeah, it's very, yeah, very good. Awesome. Enjoy it. All right, everybody have a wonderful Saturday. Enjoy the Iron Bowl right here on The Fan. We are done. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.